Welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of the Navy SEALs, the show of Juniper and Austin, drumming, Sound City, lots of music in this chat. I know, I know, I'm probably about to bore you talking about Fugazi, Pennywise, Bad Religion, Punk Rock, Touring, Drumming, lots of amazing things today in this chat with bar manager at Juniper and Austin, Chris McClish. It is an instant kindredness, if you will, when a drummer, all jokes aside, when a drummer comes into the studio and we talk music, we're surrounded by guitars. It's really a brilliant tale and music is such a great starting point to learn how things interact with each other, to learn how to play with other people nicely, play with egos of vocalists, play with the eccentricities of guitar players. Being in a band is yet a nice analogy, a nice metaphor in parallel to being in the hospitality industry. So this is a really great chat with Chris, and I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Chris McClish. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like <laughs> they keep asking me to do interesting things. Uh, what, what, uh, without naming stuff, what mm-hmm. kind of other? They didn't have you like doing uh, homeless dinners or something, did they? Like, what exactly did they? <laughs> no, that probably would have been better <laughs> for the world. Uh, you know, no, there there would just be you know, all of a sudden, like I would show up and they'd be like, uh, you know, Chronicles doing a, a little thing on. So come up with a you know, a book and write a, you know, make a cocktail out of it. No, okay. I'm really? in the middle of, you know, again, like trying to start this restaurant. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just like, what the hell have I read lately? <laughs> you know, I might, like, I'll read the news, but that's about all, you know, what I'll have. But in there the one, you did really dig deep, right? Like I, the winter of our discontent, I'm going to have something. Yeah, like and I was like, I could do that, but shit, I feel like I'd be lying. So <laughs> let me just do the last book I read and then come up with something, you know? That's interesting. Yeah, and it kind of took place in Chicago, so I was oh, like, cool. oh, my lord, everybody hates that. Or Absolutely. So let's use that in a cocktail. Uh, so did that, and they put it out there and you know, like a little Instagram and everything. And yeah. Like, oh, you come by and ask for this drink. Nobody's asked for the drink. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love how from a tech, because we're talking about technology too, like how people are really trying to diversify mm-hmm. the way. So, oh, it's a retweet. Like, that's not enough. Right, right. Did they show a picture of Chris with a different team's jersey on wearing a football <laughs> helmet while running uphill making a cocktail? Like, you know, I mean, you can go to this gauntlet to like really get traction. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a much different world now, yeah. uh, you know, food and beverage wise. It's a, uh, it's good and it's interesting. Like I, I'm glad that I can go to places and get great drinks or great, get get like a you know a really high end prosciutto or something yeah, like yeah. that at the store, which is nice. I mean, I remember you know when I was younger and and trying to find these things, it was just impossible. Um, it's different. So it's different now. There's a huge you know entertainment aspect to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it is I think just the the nature of the business now, and you either 
you know, adhere to it a little bit and, mm-hmm. and get used to it, or so you'll get be a little some dis- celebrity. Yeah, or your pocket, right? yeah, <laughs> or your dinosaur. <laughs> you know, personally for me, I just like to kind of work. But I mean, it is, you know, just like being in a band, the yeah. same sort of idea. Um, DIY. You know, exactly. I mean, you have to, it's just part of the job. Now. Man, so I I'm at a I'm at a law. I have got so many different ways that I'd love to like approach things because I was reading that your father maybe was exposed to many different kinds of foods. You had plenty of questions. Mm-hmm. You also went to studied jazz in, in Miami. Mm-hmm. You know, what, first of what was your what's your instrument? Uh, so I grew up uh, playing classical piano. Oh, okay. Uh, so Perfect. my uh, as I was speaking earlier, um, my parents bought a baby grand piano. Yeah. I'm the youngest of three boys, and they're like, "Well, shit, so you guys, <laughs> guys going to play?" Did your brothers play at all? They did. Yeah. Um, they just you know played and took lessons you know until they're 18, went to college. Mm. Um, I grew up playing that, and when I was a young teenager, I this is going to sound so weird. I saw a no, drum. I saw a drum set, and I think it was on Full House, maybe. And I was I, Jesse I, and the Rippers. Just, oh yeah, I just was like, I wonder what a drum set sounds like in real life. Yeah. So, oh yeah, that's a great. That's a great. Qu- that really is. Yeah. A good question. So I uh, asked my parents, that, you know, and they were like, "Well, let's just get your snare drum. We'll figure it out from there." Sure. So uh, I started playing drums, and that was basically what I ended up doing. No kidding. Uh, yeah, that felt natural. Yeah. You know, wow. Playing piano. In front of people was always a little bit strange, but even from the beginning, like playing drums felt pretty natural to play in front of people. Interesting. So, when would you say like you first got? What, what year we kind of talk when you? First um, I was like right before high school when I started playing drums, so like wow. eighth grade, like you know the end of middle school, That's and crazy. then uh, yeah, I got in high school, and that was basically you know all I did. I was in bands, and you know played in the school band as well, played yeah. in like punk bands and whatnot, and no shit. Yeah, and then went to school for jazz and. Uh, because it's a different style of drumming than it is being a punk drummer. It's it's a little bit different, <laughs> oh, but yeah. I remember, you know, one of my first teachers, he was saying, you know, if you want to actually be a working drummer, you need to learn how to play everything. So yeah. I played, uh, when I was in high school, I played for the Richmond Philharmonic in Richmond, Virginia. And wow. uh, How many, in one of a big set of percussionists or like the... Yeah, like, like one of the percussionists yeah. there. Um, and so I did you know, the classical, I uh, did drum corps and traveled to California and, and the rest of the country doing that. That's amazing. Yeah, punk bands, whatever bands. So, because so. we got to talk about punk for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, today, oddly enough, this is really good timing. For some reason, and I don't know why, I went back to listen to Suicide Machines <laughs> and, like, and Op Ivy and stuff. I went down a wormhole, Pennywise, all the old stuff. I don't know what the fuck happened. I don't know. Maybe I was like politics. Maybe. You opened the gate, man. The gate. Yeah. It was just a deluge. It started with Bad Religion, and then it went down. I'm like, ooh, rancid. Yeah, rancid. Yeah, let me yeah. dig into that first circuit pain. So. When we talk about like Richmond, Virginia, so are you from Richmond? Then I, I grew up in Richmond. Yeah, I moved around a lot, but uh, yeah, I grew up there. Was that kind of the main place you get to learn drums with piano and stuff? Yeah, that and it was a, a big. It was kind of like little DC, you know. Yeah. So oh, like Fugazi, Discord, yeah. like sure. all that was like. Again like, today, I just learned that Discord put not all because there was a couple of uh, albums missing actually, but most of their material on Bandcamp. Thank you, Discord. Right, exactly. <laughs> Thanks again, Discord. Thanks, Good man. Tuesday again. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. So what? Because I, I always want to know who was really driving the way that you played drums at that point. You know, it was, it was always kind of strange. People ask me like, drummers, always your favorite yeah, drummer, yeah, yeah. but well, not favorite, but maybe at that time, like, what was really yeah. Impactful? I, I I really enjoyed bands or musicians. Yeah. Um, obviously, Fugazi was one of my favorites, God, and I think yeah. you know, just coming from that was the idea of. Uh, when you're playing on stage, like you're 
you're literally giving everything you have. You yeah. know, like you're yeah. giving yourself over. Like you can act however you want to act. Like you can be calm, but like that's your time to let everything out. And Absolutely. that was kind of like the way I ended up playing, especially in those, you know, kind those kinds of bands and yeah. whatnot. Uh, like, yes, there are times where you don't play technically correct because you can barely hold on to your drumstick right. or you're breaking cymbals. But you're bleeding, whatever. Right? Bleeding, but that's the way I like, I've always liked to play. And I, Have you I, ever seen him? What's that? Live? Yeah. yeah, a couple times. Yeah. So when you talk, because one of my favorites, always, um, always tried to get a shirt in 96. I kept trying to get that fucking This Is Not A Gazi shirt. Could never find it. Now you can get it at, uh, you know, Urban Outfitter. Yeah. It's great. They, they never sanction any of their shirts. Progress, yeah, I suppose. Progress. <laughs> but no, the one thing that I really loved about them, and I've seen them just once, mm-hmm. but at the Legendary Emos, which was a, a treat. Yeah. But they don't write a set list. So when you talk about, I, I think about that when you when you kind of talk about like just feeling it and making mistakes and doing this, mm. watching them kind of shift and like turn the ship around into a song that they all have to, it takes a couple seconds if yeah, you don't yeah. have a set list, but to watch them all course correct and then just whoosh, like the Ghostbusters, all the proton packs just <laughs> uniting takes a little while, you know? Yeah. It's, it's an amazing thing that I think we don't see in music all that much. No. Not, not planned, unplanned. Yeah, uncouth, not not polished, you know. Yeah, it's become. Uh, yeah, it's definitely become a lot more. I don't know. I mean, people don't go see live bands as much anymore. I mean, yeah. you know, here in Austin, maybe a little bit different, but a lot of places now, like you'll listen to like one song off of Spotify or whatnot. Right. You don't dig the band, and that's it. You know, they might be playing there next week, and you might have loved them. I mean, still, I'm glad when I go see, you know, bands, and uh, like when I was in New York, I actually ended up going to see. Uh, Trail of Dead were playing up there. Oh, man. A la Austin. There you go. So they're playing. <laughs> yeah, it's like this whole circle. And uh, they're playing their entire Source Tags, uh, source tags album. That was that tour. Yeah, yeah, it was that tour. Just listen to that record today, too. See? See, oh, this is real messed big, up. Yeah. yeah it's lovely so, record, though. Brings back so many memories. So, I mean, it's so good. I, yeah. You know, uh, so we went to go see them. And uh, this French band, La Femme, opened up. And I was downstairs, like, having a drink. I was like, let's go check out this band. And I was like, this band is great, you know? Amazing. And again, it's like. Thank God for live music, you know. Sometimes it's the only thing that brings me back to being a kid. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I mean, I didn't like getting shoved around then, and I still don't like getting shoved around now, which is a little bit, I look a little more surly now because of the gray hair and shit. Like, people know, like, <laughs> so everyone knows he's not that surly looking, okay? Yeah. But no, it, it works enough. It works enough. Right, right. But it is it is one of the last things, and, you know, and I, I mentioned this, and perhaps this will be just the thing I say in most of the shows, but. You got to go get a drink. That's one of the only things left that you have to experience in person. Mm-hmm. To get a good meal, you have to go and mm-hmm. experience it in person. And to really connect with music, you have to go and see live music. You can listen to a record, which is great. Yeah. But saw The Foles recently. Mm-hmm. Amazing record. New record's incredible, or newest record. Live, it just transcended even exact how it sounded on digit. You know, like you have to. It's just the, one of the last things that you have to go and experience in person. And this is the same thing like you were talking about going out to eat or getting a drink. And yeah. I even feel like that's starting to get lost because everybody, so? it's this whole, you know, like food networky kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, they watch TV shows about going out to eat and that's how they think they should act. And they go there then they just take pictures and they look at a menu and they order from the menu. Yeah. They ask things like, what's your concept? And I'm like, what's well, your concept? concept? This is this is the worst. This is the most annoying thing I've been what? I've noticed. It's like, days. what does your band sound like? Yeah, yeah, it's the same shit. Yeah, it's just like, uh, yeah, it's like, well, what's the concept? Of this place? I was, uh, make good food. You enjoy it. You right. purchase it. Get something nice to drink. You talk. You hang out. 
like be adults and like is that not good enough yeah i was like what what is this now you know and uh i feel like a lot of people and what i try to do and hopefully try to still like the people that that uh work with me is the idea of being human again yeah you know like if somebody sits down like say hi like if you see that they're inundated with the menu and they look troubled just ask them put it put that down like chat with me i yeah what i'm here for like let me let's talk yeah exactly you know and introduce human element Exactly, and and I feel like that's, you know, gotten lost a little bit of music, and mm-hmm. to a certain degree, like you were saying, like people, you know, you go out, you still have to go out, and I still feel like a lot of times, people might be cut off or the service or yeah, like the idea of giving good service is a vehicle for you to be yourself, you know, and yeah. hopefully perform uh, in a way, right? Yeah, and it's just yeah, it's you connecting with somebody and making sure they have a good time. So, I mean, obviously, like growing up playing it was always been at a bar yeah you know, I, I've well been... and for other people always sharing moments right mm-hmm. like honest un- unabashed moments with people exactly you can't hold back a simple crash yeah, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. once that it's like serving to drink once it's out there man and yeah people taste it like there's no way to refrain that exactly so i yeah that's just the you know a, an environment that i've always liked like playing music or being in bars or whatnot so well, what time, like, so you go through and you study jazz it, it mm-hmm. seems like and we talked about sound city which we're gonna talk about like it seems like it took you pretty far, but what, what in what capacity? Were you in a band that was touring around a lot? Were you doing solo stuff, studio musician? So, yeah, I, I went to jazz school, and like uh, many people that go to jazz school, you leave before you graduate. Right. <laughs> it's a way to do it. I yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went there, uh, but no, but it was great. I uh, learned a whole lot. Uh, started just playing in different groups. Um, started private teaching at that point. Oh, cool. Um, and this is in Miami, or did you move? Uh, I had gone back to Virginia at this point okay. and then I was drumming with the, uh, drum corps. Uh, one was out in California, like in the Bay area. Mm-hmm. Another one was out of, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and then I taught for a while in, uh, at Jacksonville state university in Alabama. And then, uh, how, how old are you now? Uh, 40. Can... Are you really? Yeah. I just turned 40 on July 14th. Yeah. God damn man. Still days, you, so. you don't, you don't look 40. Thanks, man. So I, I don't look surly. You don't look for yeah, All right. The, good. Two, the only things we've learned thus far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with Very that superficial too. visual it's, things. It's fine. That's all right. We'll yeah, go. Yeah. We'll go with it. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so you you're doing. God, it sounds like lots of stuff. Lots of teaching. Maybe some traveling as well. Yeah, I did course. that. A lot of you know touring, and then uh, weirdly enough, I had a, another uh, dream of when I was growing up. It was either wanted to be a drummer or a Navy SEAL. Really. So yeah, I left one day for my teaching and went to a, I was 24, which is getting to be like the cutoff age of going to that training. So yeah. I went to the recruiter uh, as soon as I got done, like teaching a bunch of students and signed up and left and To did be that. a Navy SEAL? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. So. But it's, all right. You got to realize like, it's not like a real straight <laughs> shot from, I know plenty of drummers, yeah, yeah, yeah. real shitty Navy <laughs> SEALs, like, easy, you know? So uh, what was it about that? Was it the discipline? Was it the rhythm? Was it the intelligence? Like the um exactly? again another stupid thing like watching like full house and the drums i was like a little gi joe character you know torpedo and yeah. i asked my eldest brother i was like Shit, what's yeah. uh, what's a seal and he's like oh they're one of the best people what they do and uh yeah, yeah I, I just didn't want to be I, I literally would say 40 i don't want to be 40 and regret not trying what i want to do so i mean yeah so good on you Shit. yeah i went awesome. ahead and did that um and then broke my feet uh, Both of them? Yeah, in training. What happened? Um, they're not really sure, to be honest. So you see a lot of stress fractures that yeah. you know turn into breaks, but the doctor said it looked traumatic. 
but uh, nonetheless had five metatarsals that uh, broke. So oh, showed up, and got out of the Navy, and then uh, went right back into working in restaurants. Did uh, did it affect your ability, like for kick, to 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 play? Having uh, no, 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 they're okay. they're pretty much all right. Good, good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, but uh, to the Navy, they're like mm, <laughs> a little bit of a liability, maybe, right? Yeah, but uh, but no, they're they're pretty good, you know. For now, I'll probably good. ruin the rest of my body from like drumming and that's working, fine working as long as your feet are good <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was just like working in restaurants you know throughout that whole kind of time like teaching as well yeah and then, uh just put myself right back in the you know the music and service industry thing and uh where did the service industry bug come from i you know i was reading that you asked your dad a lot of questions about french cheeses and wines and like portugal and stuff like that so was, did it come from home yeah uh definitely my my dad used to uh you know travel around for work what did he do? Uh, he was an executive for like a chemical company, oh, basically. Cool. Okay. Uh, but he would travel around, and it was the days, you know, where he didn't have the internet. So he would, uh, he ended up falling in love, especially with France, and uh, he would go there for like two weeks a year and just visit all the vineyards, find his favorite wines, mm-hmm. and just have like wine shipped over. And so I would ask him and he'd have like his big encyclopedias of wine. So it seemed yeah. everything seemed like really mysterious. I would ask about different foods and he's talking about like in korea where he opened this clay pot and there's like beef tendon and i was like how do you eat beef tendon you know he's telling me about beef tartare with yeah like because like, it's like matter of fact for him right he's like ma- well i've been there but for you it's like magical yeah i mean let I me mean, think about the food that we all ate in like the 80s you know it's like corn dogs yeah maybe? corn dogs meatloaf mac and cheese so all that seemed like <laughs> yeah. pretty bagel bites yeah <laughs> yeah that's good stuff so good so yeah i guess it kind of you know that sort of caught me a little bit. Like my dad would make like roast like a lamb. He allowed me to like throw the rosemary on. And I remember like sitting outside and it would be light out and then it'd be, you know, 11 o'clock, you know, and it'd be dark and we would have sat out for dinner for like four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's what kind of got me in, into all that. So he's also a cook? Yeah, he would cook a little bit. Uh, he was a meat judge for the 4-H club in Michigan. Really? This was actually a thing. Like Post we- or pre or post slaughter? Because I, I I hate to make it so morbid, but no, it was it was post slaughter. People okay. would bring raw cuts of beef, and he would judge those raw cuts of beef. That's crazy. So what do you, what do you judge a raw cut on? Marbling? I I would assume so. Yeah, I, yeah. Mar- and again, like I asked him, okay, well, what's the best beef in the world? And he said, aged beef. And I thought he was fucking with me. He's like, no, you let it rot, and it comes green. And I was like, I don't Thanks, I don't man. have the this I, very- yeah I don't have the internet to consult to see if he's lying to me or not you know it's so. like when your dad's like no eat you know lick the lick the floor <laughs> it tastes real good yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you just my, trust him like, right. my dad's trying to kill me yeah yeah but uh, yeah they just started. okay yeah and then then I you know worked in kitchens like I grew up like uh, you know as a dishwasher working mm. my way up uh, so that's what like, people in bands do yeah exactly it's a job you can always get right job i love it totally yeah. so i was like you know toying around with going to like culinary school but ever since then i was just kind of really really interested in it amazing so yeah. you, you it starts at home i mean this mm-hmm. is kind of a similar thing for me i again one of the my mantras is that i was eating cilantro as a white kid in the midwest in the 80s that doesn't happen that does not happen <laughs> thank you mom that does not happen <laughs> she would just read stuff and she'd be like let's use lavender in a salad like Fuck, okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> it tastes so strange, but yeah, Swiss chard and lavender. And, Just know. keep telling me it's yeah. supposed to be good. But yeah. it, 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 when you're younger and you're impressionable, you're like, this opens this whole other cultural realm mm-hmm. for us as kids. And I almost feel like, you know, we talk, again, talking about how 
whether it was technology's fault, maybe it's the way that we've all grown consciously, like consciously, I don't know. But I don't feel like there's that inquisitive mind in the same way, right? Because everything is, well, what's a what's a this? What's a lamb like? What's a ham, ham on? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'll just go look it up. What's yeah. Iberical ham? All right, well, I'll just look it up. Instead of having to discover it, mm-hmm. it's like, shit, this is good. What is this? Yeah. It's all different now. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, especially to a certain point, like nobody wants to sound stupid or like they don't know what they're talking about that's right you know and i i mean i will be the very very first person and if like i don't know how to pronounce something on a menu yeah. or whatnot be like how is this pronounced and exactly what is this yeah you that's know? a great question and i i love that and that was you know one of my you know favorite things especially like in new york going to, to different restaurants and whatnot like i had one of my favorite restaurants down the street was a serbian restaurant oh wow. and i'll ask them like exactly like how is this pronounced what is this? Yeah. And uh, I, I love that kind of stuff. I, I do I, too. I, I think it's weird when everyone's so worried about like, they want to seem like they know everything. It's like the, the Jimmy Kimmel thing. Do you ever see that? Where he did go, he, like I remember when I first met my wife, she showed me this video. She was describing how it's Coachella 2014 mm-hmm. and someone from the Jimmy Kimmel show disguised as someone that could have been working at Vice or something, right? right. Like a cool person. Mm-hmm. Fucking cool. And then they're they're looking around and they've got a mic and they go, how do you guys feel about butt chugging butt plugs playing <laughs> at 2 p.m. on the center stage? Like, and they're, oh, it's all fucking load of shit, right? <laughs> and the people are like, oh, yeah, really, really excited to see them. Like, I, they've got a really good sound. And so, to your point, like, no one wants to say, like, nope, never heard of it, no, man. I, I really love their, their early stuff. I really like, yeah. I love their early stuff. Yeah, you know. It's before they went mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, you're, you're totally right. Like, I mispronounce shit all the time and i love it yeah because i get to meet so like with mezcal varietals that's something that i love i love spanish and i love the names of food mm-hmm. and so i'll say something here's a great example when i go back to this there's i had this word in my head for for a fucking month and mm-hmm. so i interviewed david Suro, who does simbra metal simbra azul wonderful gentleman been there done that very academic okay yeah. so i was at king b and they have this mezcal and it's it was like I-N-A-Q-E-D-I-N, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, is this, it's uh, inaquidines, right? And so I said that to David Zero. Right. <laughs> He's like, no, it's inaquidines. It's like, ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. Because like, I'm, I'm like recording, say, like saying it wrong, you know? And I'm just like, well, man, legs between my legs. But I love that. I love like just, just stumbling yeah. onto the, the correctness of terms. Well, there's, there's, that's the fascinating thing about, you know, booze wine cocktails food it's I, I know everybody says it that it's vast and, and it yeah. never ends but i mean it really doesn't i mean let's say you know music sure like on a guitar like you can do, spend your whole you can spend five lives mm-hmm. you know but it's still like the same amount of strings same amount of frets right but food my favorite is like going into a market and i if i don't know like 90 percent of what the hell i'm looking at yeah like, it's exciting to me it's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. i love it yeah love i'm it. like is this even edible what i'm yeah. looking at i'm not sure <laughs> That's a thing. I know what, oh man, I saw. Yeah. Oh, sometimes it gets dark. I don't even go there. But I saw. Uh, I was in Japan at the mark, the fish market in Tokyo. Tsukiji. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was brilliant. Same thing. I was like, oh my god, fresh wasabi. We never see this. And I was like, can I buy some? I was like, yeah, but it's really expensive. <laughs> well, fuck. I'll, I'll just still, you know. But I like you see turtles and you see like all this stuff that becomes kind of real. But. Yeah. Still, this vast wonderland of all these fucking ingredients. And you're right. Like, it never, never ends. 
It makes me happy. It, <laughs> it makes me happy too. Yeah. Well, before we talk about Sound City, which I've got to do, th- think about like in all the places that you've been, and I. Is there a bite of food that's really satisfying for you? Because I'm kind of hungry, so I think about that. Not your favorite, not like, oh, what's the best this, but like, what's something that you go to and will always be really satisfying for you? This is going to sound very, very weirdly elitist, I'm sure, because <laughs> is it, it is. truffles, Chris? No, it's not okay, truffles. Okay, okay. It's not truffles. It's not truffles. And we're fine. Then we're fine. Um, and, it, and I'll say this because it did originally come from a very humble place mm. and you actually even have brought it up oh earlier. really uh jamon iberico de Bellota. oh man and i'll say yes it is a luxury ingredient but it's yeah if i have one bite mm-hmm. it really like puts me back in spain or just puts me in a different completely different mindset yeah. when i eat it um i know that's not an everyday thing it's not like your comfort food you go to but it's Probably one of the bites that I'll have that's most like I guess transformative I suppose. Yeah. Oh, I and uh, weirdly enough, I had, which I realized how lucky I was, even though I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Uh-huh. Uh, my <laughs> first job when I got here, I worked at uh, Jeffries in West Austin. Yeah, love it. I used to live right around the corner. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, which is surprising. We had, maybe we ran into each other. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> was Adam working back there? At that uh, point? Adam. No. Adam Bryant. Okay. Probably. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, you know, they put me in a little white sport coat, but uh, yeah. there was an appetizer, which was a little jamon iberico uh, de bayota on top. Uh-huh. And so the position, the captain would go and slice the leg. Obviously, they took the hoof off because it's, you know, here in the right, U.S. Right. And I think about that now, and I knew how lucky I was. Unfortunately, like, there's no, like, expert cortador to show me, like, how to, like, slice this. Yeah, yeah. But just to know it. I always like to look, you know, very much the bright side of things. And now I will know, I know now that there's not going to be any other time in my life or a job, a part of my job that I have to go and cut. You're a guy that's allowed to cut it. Yeah. Right. And that'll be the only time I've ever done that. So it's one of those things you take away, like every job, you take away something. And I'm like, well, that was really cool. I'm sure like, I mean, I I cut it like shit, I'm sure. But But still. But still, you got to cut it. Yeah, and I got to see it every day. Like the Olympic torch. Yeah, I got to smell it every day. Yeah, so So I know it's not not the the most uh, down-to-earth comfort food, but. But, you know, it's one of those things. And, you know, have you had that Iberico Mezcal, Delma Gay Mix? You know what? I have not. So we're going to drink that next. Awesome. Okay. Because you got to try it. Because you'll, if you like it and, and, you know. A beer co is that thing, and it's salty, and it's just, it just takes you back. It's good that we don't get to have it all the time. Yeah. It's good that I try it, like, maybe twice a year. We would turn it to monsters. Yeah. We drink it every day. But then, <laughs> well, then where does it go? Yeah. It's like, well, cocaine's not enough for me now. <laughs> <laughs> I've done crack. Where, yeah. you know, right, hand over the next thing, I'm you know? eating heroin now. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. It's nothing. Yeah. Like, I can still stand straight. What the fuck? Come on. Let's go. You know, yeah. so. It's good. It, keep, it keeps you humble, and like the infrequency of great things is actually something I think is really, really. I concur. All right, so I got it because we. I love Sound City. I love Dave Grohl. He's like part of me. You're just a few years older than me, but that was a really big, influential mm-hmm. dude for me. Fleetwood Mac. My mom was into it. Tom Petty. So, how did you end up at Sound City? Sound City. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I um. At this point, I was back in Richmond. 
Okay. And uh, teach. Was this after the jazz? Stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah. This was like my mid twenties. Um, this is right after I got out of the navy. So I mean, literally, it's like, oh, you're done in two weeks, and you thought you had your next six years planned out. That's right. So, so it's just like, like what huh, the okay. fuck do I do? All right. Yeah. I know. All right, we'll go back to Richmond. My family wasn't there anymore, but where did they? Where did they move to? Uh, my mother lives in like Virginia Beach, like not okay. far. Uh, my brothers live in Florida, but gotcha. you know, I just ended up back there, and well, it's you know, teaching again. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and working, and then a guy that I worked with uh, said that there was this other dude, this guy John Sullivan, and uh, he at the time he was playing in this like uh, pop band called Jack's Mannequin from California and LA. I know that band. Yeah. So yeah. he like actually did you I, say that thinking I wouldn't know who it was? Uh, did you just like say it past like? Kind I, of past I, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. They like, were a thing. I think they a, were a thing. He's a, little, really he's a little pop guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He comes through here in town. You yeah, know, sometimes. for sure. Uh, but like every, actually everybody in the band, not him, were all buddies that I knew from Richmond. Mm-hmm. And um, this guy was the bass player was starting a second band. Weirdly enough, two bass players, and he was just looking for a drummer. That's strange. Uh, right. So yeah, he uh, we got introduced and uh, started playing. And then the last uh, couple recordings that they did with uh, Andrew McMahon and Jack's Mannequin were at Sound City. So he was good buddies you, with like everybody there. Oh man, because it's do, it's done deal now. It's done. De- it yeah. was on the way out uh, when we. I can't remember her name, but the studio manager, like when we got there, and he, you know, um, they gave us a really good price to, to come amazing, in there because they just they they liked him. The but the main the, the main it was a Neve board, right? What's that? It was a Neve. Board. Oh yeah. yeah, that still was all like everything was everything was there. Oh, yeah. So the, you recorded on the Neve board on the Neve, yeah. So it, like, damn, that's like sleeping with Sinatra. It was. It was. It was pretty fucking awesome. That's incredible. Yeah, I was like, I was definitely was trying to take take it all in yeah. for sure. And uh, yeah, the the manager said that they would be, you know, closing. Uh, it was really hilarious because the day first time I recorded, the day we got in was uh, the day after Metallica had just left. What were they making? They uh, what's the name? I, I, uh, I don't like Magnetic? Metallica. It was the, the one, one with Rick Rubin. Yeah, it was the one that that won the uh, engineering like Grammy. I think it was Death Magnetic. Wasn't yeah, it? I, yeah, yeah, it, it must like have been the sh- crazy shitty snare drum that's like over compressed. Yeah, and the, the funniest thing was that <laughs> the guy said that they did the recording at Sound City. Like that was the day before they uh-huh. had like the entire hallways were taken up with hard drives. I mean, like so much like Jesus. information, and they said it sounded like really good when it left Sound City. Yeah. And then some other dude engineered it and produced yeah. it, and they're uh-huh. like, "Oh, it sounds like fucking shit now." <laughs> and then it won the fucking Grammy. <laughs> There you go. Go yeah. back to it. it. Yeah. It's all changed. But that's that's insane. That is like a certain and a very important piece of history that you got you were like part of. Yeah. What, what did these guys amount like two bass players, drummer, did it turn into something? Was yeah, something yeah, we had it? a it was a band. I didn't name this band, yeah. though, but it was called Kid is Qual. So we did I did three separate recordings there. So yeah. we'd fly out, we'd play uh play the troubadour a couple times. Killer. And, so we go out there and uh, and it's the great this is the best drum room as far as I'm concerned in the in the U S or was at the yeah. Troubadour or no at no, no at the uh, at Sound City oh, dude, I we'll just think if you all recorded there yeah it was insane and, and then just like, like dropping my head yeah insane, walking yeah. around and talking to the guys and everyone's talking about you know everybody and how like Lars Ulrich was the only dude that ever used the gross shower in there <laughs> like you know like just you know and then of course like you know they had a piano and these special like covers on it and they're like oh yeah we did that for elton john oh my god that's incredible stupid yeah how did it feel like being in there that is an eight that's an apex of many people's careers yeah it would be for me i would if i could just play guitar in there yeah it was uh it was one of those times where you 
sit down to drum and you really just kind of have to like shut your brain off for a moment because it's if you thought about it too much you get a bit nervous and and forgetting like we had like like one of the top drum techs and he brought in like you know one of his old beautiful snare drums his old drummer for warrant are you kidding me (laughs) yeah it was badass but uh so it's just like all that it was was a bit much so it's one of those points where yeah you just have to like shut your brain off do the job right and just try not to think about it because Man. I'll tell you, like as soon as I got done and the drums were done and I had my first beer, I was like, oh, I feel so much better now. <laughs> That's like, how long did the session take? Uh, so each session was about like the first day we get sounds and then I would do drums for a day. So oh, and then like bad. another like two days for the other guys. Yeah, so. not bad. Yeah, it was, it was pretty rad, That's especially insane. now that it's not no longer around, you know. And you were at a certain place in time, man. Yeah, it was good. It's really, really <laughs> incredible. Did. Would you say that things got bigger after that, or that was even? Uh, that was a decent time, uh, without sounding too bad. Like I've never had any problems with anybody in bands before. Yeah, uh, started having a problem. You're very lucky with the well <laughs> until that guy in that band and things started unraveling a bit. Yeah, and, uh, you know we were doing a show at the Troubadour and it was just like I just kind of had enough. And in the middle of the night, I was just like, found it. I was like, I'm gonna take a taxi to L- LAX right now. And you can't ever find a fucking taxi in L.A. No, but I looked right. around. I was like, I'm out here. There's a like, taxi right there. And uh, so that's faithful. That was it. You know, but, uh, you know, we made up since. But that was like sort of my last. And then um, then I moved to New York. And Why New York? Not that that oh. wouldn't make sense being a musician, loving food. Yeah, I had wanted to go up there. That band was the only thing like kind of keep me down there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was going to go up there. We used to play a lot like Webster Hall and other places up wow. there. Um, but. Yeah, it's like, well, let me go up there, play music, you know, stay working in restaurants and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not really sure, uh, music has gone a little bit by the wayside and just sort of delved right into, you know, bartending and, and working in restaurants. I was lucky enough to have some friends up there that really took me under their wing. Um, and that was really, really nice. They were the ones that kind of showed me, like, got me into the best places yeah, and yeah. showed me, you know, the best stuff and all the little secrets and whatnot. So, uh, it was you, fortunate. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a, just again, like a fortuitous series of events that just kind of tossed you into New York. Most people will feel like they've been thinking about it for decades. Mm-hmm. We're going to go there like intentionally. What was food makes sense, right? I get food. Like right. you totally, you understand the flavors you grew up with it, but cocktails, like you, you talk about wine with your dad and stuff, but was booze a piece of that whole equation too? Like, were you guys drinking pastis? Being a, f- a fan of France, anyway, mm-hmm. pastis and stuff. He was, uh, he was a little bit more of the wine. But when I, years and years ago, when that sort of cocktail renaissance started coming about, yeah. So I moved around a lot. Like I said, like I lived in uh, San Francisco, Chicago, Miami, Charlotte, DC, mm-hmm. and years ago I was living in Chicago, kind of like when like the violet hour was just kind of coming out mm. and reading about cocktails and it was a brand new thing and i was extremely interested in it and would go to those places and that gave me an idea about where the level of that should be and then <clears throat> of, cocktail, like, of like just sort of a cocktail culture and technique and how good drinks i think so you so you like understood technically how proficient you had to be to do this stuff it's kind of what you're saying or? right and and i loved I love the idea of sitting in front of a bartender and asking for a simple drink. And, you know, at that moment, you know, things have changed throughout the years, but I remember one guy and he's like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, put some of these bitters on this ice, on this uh, sugar cube. I'm going to wait two minutes and then I'll get 
the rest of the drink started. Yeah. And I was like, thank you. That's great. Yeah. I'll, I'll wait. You know, yeah, I, if it's I, great. Yeah. Wait so this him, is right? wonderful. Uh, so that gave me the first idea. And then when I went to New York, uh, a good buddy of mine that I knew back in uh, Richmond, he had moved up there and he was working for like Amoria Margo and that whole group that kind oh, wow. of does death yeah. and company and whatnot. So uh, he was the one that not, I didn't work at one of those places, but he vouched for my first job and uh, like introduced me to everybody. And that was a, I mean, that's a huge thing. I mean, it really is kind of a well, close circle. Uh, yeah. So again, just like music, I really feel like if you're a nice person and you're willing to work and you're just cool, like decent things will happen. Sure. You know? Absolutely. So, like don't fucking drummers know it. Cause they're always carrying their own gear. <laughs> <laughs> right like so you guys know more yeah, than anybody yeah. else because singers like eh, you know <laughs> bass players do too because they're big those big ampeg rigs and shit pulling yeah. up 10 flights of stairs or whatever <laughs> but it, is it i always i have a lot there's lots of people that have been in music and have had music careers that are now in the industry many people have had the pl- pleasure of talking to and i say you know if you have never had to carry an amp up a flight of stairs or a set of drums mm-hmm. you have no business like being in any industry yeah you know what i mean like and so you talk about that and like having that i almost feel like parlays perfectly into being in the service industry yeah paying your dues mm-hmm. setting up drums having to carry stuff break it down clean stuff up you know mm-hmm. exactly and i feel it's uh i think the proper attitude to have too is you know never feel like you're gonna work hard enough where now it's going to be easy. Now I can sit back, you know, like if you have that attitude, yeah. then it's the, it's the wrong attitude to have. Totally. It could be anything like music, service industry, military, anything like, how can you be good at something if you're not willing to always try at it? Right. Because there's, there's, it's never done. Learning no. is never done. And yeah. Living is never done. And especially when you talk about spirits and shit yeah. and executing a cocktail, there's no way that's done. Nope. So many other frontiers that haven't even been touched yet. It's just going to get harder and harder. Yeah. And if you accept Competition that. Competition too, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, really, it's just there's weirdly, this isn't to be pessimistic. No, I no. actually feel like this is optimistic. But if you know that there's no like pot of gold at the end rainbow and it's just like you're just going to keep going, it's going to get harder. Yeah. And as soon as you kind of accept that, you're okay with it. Sure. You know, the kind of people that I hate are the ones like, oh, I'm a manager now, so now I can go like dick off now. I'm like, come on. Why? And like, what are you going to do if you peak at 40? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck are you doing at 50? Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? I, it doesn't make any sense to me. No idea. Yeah. I'd be losing my goddamn mind. I would be too. I, was like, I don't know how people retire, frankly. I yeah. just couldn't do it. If I had to stop thinking or working or creating, <laughs> fuck, I would just die. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've, you know, it's, it's not a big surprise like some of these guys off themselves in their 60s. Like, they're done from their creative peak. Like, makes a lot. Yeah, like, of course I'm thinking of Hemingway, but a little morbid it, sense. But yeah, yeah well, sure. Yeah. yeah, it does absolutely. It totally does. You got to keep doing it. So people vouch for you in New York, which is like you said, a tight knit crew. Mm-hmm. What year are we talking when you were? Um, over this there? was God. The years go by so quick now. I'm trying they to do. remember. Especially when you're 40. Oh Chris. Jesus Christ! <laughs> no decade's kids, gonna right? go by. No kids. kids. No See, kids. good. So it's a good, clean 40. There you go. I like I'm, it. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. It was like. Uh, God, I don't know, like five five years ago, maybe really? something okay. like that. Yeah, a lot of maybe. stuff happening at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 2010, 2011. It's a crazy time. Yeah, there was there was a whole bunch going on. Uh, again, like I said, you know, very lucky to meet really great people. It was the easiest move I've ever done in my life. Really? 
anywhere. The opposite of everybody else I talked to. Opposite of every, my, the best friends that I've ever made in any move my whole life, easily concentrated in New York. That's incredible. Yeah. Because you think about it, and you know why I think that is? This, this is my specific perspective. You worked hard all up to that, mm-hmm. right? You even went as far to try to become a Navy SEAL, which is not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. You broke your feet trying to be a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. You put in some good at man hours. You paid some dues. So in a sense, like you never lose that. You always have that on your shoulder mm-hmm. when you walk into a place. Like I busted my ass doing all this stuff. Yeah. And the thing is, I I love learning. Yeah. Like I, you know, talking to my buddy like Chris and other people, like it's just so much to learn, you know. Yeah. And and you, and the, you know, people will impart knowledge as long as you just work and you stay cool about it. Yeah. You know, they will eventually trust you. And I feel like so many people, uh, you know, whether it's like a cook or a bartender, like, oh, I, I worked here or I, were, I went here, I went here, or I went to Noma or I went to like right. Little Branch or something like that. It's like. Staging for five days and and, and working is completely different thing. Yeah, you know it, it's it's great to go you know learn a little bit, but it's like you know like oh I want I want to learn how to beat people up. I went to a seminar. Now I know how to no you right no like so you make the mistakes <laughs> on your own, lose yeah. your own money, yeah, and ruin some shoes. You don't know. <laughs> That's I can't ca- yes. tell you how many shoes I've ruined yeah. by spilling shit on them at the yep. st- like you just do. Yeah, but it's different. But then you, but you, you know that it feels like you have that background. You have those those central experience where you like fuck shit up and made mistakes. You know. Yeah, and and it just you know it takes time. I think everyone just wants something quickly. Like they it do. takes time to to gain the trust of people, and especially if you want to, you know, like I said, I was fortunate enough to like listen to these guys and have them impart knowledge for me. But that was just because I was working hard and just waiting for them to trust me. Yeah, you know? and then uh, so. All I'm doing right now is hopefully take what they're doing and still try and learn. I still like talk to all those guys. A buddy of mine that I used to bartend with, who's incredible, actually just moved to Austin. No and, kidding. Uh, What's his name? Uh, his name is Travis Hernandez. Where's he working? Uh, or want to work? <clears throat> well, he's actually working at Jeffrey's right now. Oh, cool. Um, he managed Middle Branch and worked at Little Branch for years and wow. worked with me at this place, Fedora. Um, so they're talking to you know people like that. People have been doing it for a long time, and uh, it, it's a big help i know so very very little but i'm trying to do it you know as best we can do yeah at juniper so well so what brought you to austin then because i think like it seems like you had a good 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 going was it love was it career did someone poach you um did i just hit a a strike a nerve there no 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 (laughs) funny enough uh my very very first job okay so preface i've never mixed dating or love or girls with work never dipped the pen in the company i no sorry I, man i, I can't say uh, <laughs> <done this. laughs> it's weird it's weird enough to say that it's just like saying i never smoked that's weird yeah. too um wait so have you never smoked a cigarette no i've been the navy i've been a musician i've worked in kitchens and restaurants my whole life and i i've taken like two drives of a cigarette that's life. incredible no, my we, wife never a cigarette ever bizarre it's crazy yeah and that was the one i dipped my ink uh, well, anyway, so as it is funny <laughs> enough, this will go right back, bounce back to yeah. my story. Uh, the, the very first job I got, uh, God, this is so cliche. Christmas party comes around. Okay. I like it. I like where this is. I love 80s movies. <laughs> yeah. This is where it all happens. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the official Christmas party happened. Uh, went out after with a large group of people uh, at the Jane Hotel. And 
I I actually got a gift of a really nice bottle of wine. I couldn't okay. bring it in, so I stashed it in some bushes out front. Forgot about it. <laughs> it but was chilling. It was yeah, it was fine. Some homeless guys drinking really nice things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just uh, things kind of happened with the general manager. Oh, your boss? Yeah. Wow. So upgrade. That's good. That was. <laughs> <laughs> we knew it was wrong, and it was completely fine. And there was like there was nothing before that. There really wasn't yeah, anything yeah, yeah. like or anything weird like that uh then we you know had to talk about it so five days later got done with work and she's like we need like we just have to like get this clear clear the air yeah for sure um then we ended up making out and uh (laughs) what better way what better way to clear something clear something that way um that was great i uh we were both very professional kept it uh and i knew that if we were going to keep the relationship going i decided that i was going to leave um that job yeah so made the decision, you know, to leave that so we could actually, you know, kind of be together. So uh, we were together for a while and she was, a, you know, like I said, GM. And uh-huh. I was working, you know, at a, a cocktail bar and, uh, and restaurant. And that was, it was just too much. You know, I, I'd get home at like 5, 5.15. Wow. She'd wake up about 7. She'd go to work. And it, it, it was great. Yeah, it was just like, uh, you know, how long are we, is this tenable? Are we going to keep doing this? Uh, we just needed a break, and uh, Austin seemed to work out. So yeah. really, yeah. Wait, so the the break happens. Mm-hmm. It said it kind of. You're thinking like, well, I'd like a, a palate cleanser, mm-hmm. like, like yeah. a, maybe an emotional cleanser, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Just why Austin? Dart on a board, or there opportunities, or? Uh, well, I lived in you know San Diego and San Fran. Uh, I realized that I wasn't wanting to go back to the West Coast right now. Yeah. Uh, if there was going to be any place on the East Coast, it would be New York. Sure. Which uh, you're already there, right? And then I lived in Chicago, and I really like Chicago mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, just, I guess we didn't feel like doing the winter. Um, we visited Austin here, went and stayed at the Driscoll, mm-hmm. and got a random upgrade <laughs> to room, which probably helped selling the city a oh little bit. Oh, my God, yeah. It, it even had a name. Have- I was like, wait. It says the Senate room on it. I was like, are we in the right one? You know how many pages have been killed in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dirty politics down here. It, it happens. It yeah, happens. it happens. But uh, so, yeah, we checked it out and decided, uh, you know, this would be a, a good spot. You know, we a bunch of our friends ended up going to Charleston, like okay. chefs and uh, people like that. But it was just a little too small. And uh, yeah, so it's been just working out so far. When so did you? Was Jeffries the first gig then when you got it in town? Jeffries was uh, the general manager and his wife got hired just about a month before. Oh, okay. uh, they were from New York, went to L.A. and got hired from Larry McGuire. Yeah, um, the one the general manager there, he was at Per Se for a long time, and his wife, uh, she was manager at a lot of different places. And oh, when I, I it's Daisy, right? Daisy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daisy and Greg Ryan. And I barely remember, my last job was this place, uh, Fedora in the West mm-hmm. Village. And I barely remember meeting her because they were like, oh, she's moving to, it's probably LA at that point. Yeah. yeah. And apparently they were, you know, huge regulars. And no well, So they knew so you all ran, my buddies. across your desk a couple times <laughs> yeah. at least. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, wait, wait, you worked at Fedora and, you know, Tobin and everybody else. I'm like, yeah, McNeil. Yeah. So that wow. really got, you know, my, my foot in the door. And, uh, so that was, I was lucky on that front. 
Amazing. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, so, it's always serendipitous like that. Like I said, you can't like you just can't go around being a jerk, you know, especially in this business. So, yeah, because all you've got is your rep. Really, all you have is your reputation. Mm-hmm. If you think about, it, no one's looking at like what's your ROI. No one's looking at your resume. Really, they're looking at your pedigree. Perhaps they don't give a shit if you got a master's or a doctorate in chemistry. Like, nope. are you a dick? No. <laughs> Good enough for me. Thank you. Yes. That's it, a, that's all it really takes. It's it's amazing how rare that sometimes is. I know, but uh, but there's it's a lot of great ego and, and all of that. You know, yeah. I mean, how do you you feel? And we'll talk about Juniper, this latest transition here in a second. But how do you feel about people, in a sense, feeling entitled to that bar manager position or that operations manager position, beverage director, like with putting very little time really into the game, mm-hmm. like. Uh, yeah, having that that sense of uh, of entitlement, I you see it a lot. Um, I see I see a few places where you it's it's weird. You can just kind of you can tell, yeah, you know, like that human aspect again. And it you know it's like it's, like I said, you know, very much like music. Like if you go to a place and you see that the uh, people working there, mm-hmm. human beings are very perceptive people, even if they know nothing about restaurants right. music or anything they can tell if, if there's truth or not you know and if the employees are excited and the bartenders are excited about what they're doing and what they have and that directly you know correlates from the person that's you know taking care of all the stuff you know yeah. the bar manager or whatnot um but yeah the idea of they just want to be in a club anybody like that that's not really my style of person yeah. uh, that's not gonna be my style of place and honestly i, I don't really even bother with it it doesn't I, seem like it's it's i, I, I don't yeah. get bothered by it yeah and I, I mean i hate to say it's beneath you but it's not on the same frequency as what you're operating at. does that make sense yeah it's just yeah maybe like i, I don't feel I, maybe there's some people like you know whether it is in any endeavor that maybe those people are like stealing their thunder or whatnot yeah. like that's I'm not really worried about that. Yeah. Like uh, perhaps I was when I was younger, but uh, no, it's it's nothing. I feel like if I just keep going every day and and keep working and keep talking to people and make sure they have a good time. Yeah, uh, that's all I can control. Do do you ever care about you as a brand? I mean, we talked about PR a little bit earlier, and Ali, who's great at, at responding and mm-hmm. stuff and hooking us up. Like, does it? Does do you matter? Right in the public, is that important to you too? Being part of the narrative and part of that conversation about Austin cocktails. Um, well, I'll give you the easy answer, and sure. then something I've been thinking about as the older I get. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, no, I don't. It's doing that or being important uh, is not important to me. Being um, a drummer is a thankless job. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, in music or anything. No, yeah. but uh, but honestly, no. It's um, the people that I serve. And making sure that they have a good time, you know, that's what's important to me. Yeah. Um, so that's the quick answer. Sure. Uh, the second, I guess, more mature answer is, you know, when I was younger, as a, you know, playing music or, you know, bartending or whatnot. And I know that there's a lot of great bands, a lot of great bartenders, a lot of great bars and restaurants that I love that I wouldn't have known about. Unless there was some sort of, you know, push to mm-hmm. let people know about it. So I think you can kind of do that weird capitalism thing without seeming desperate or weird or that you're used car salesman yeah, or it's yeah, contrived yeah. a little bit. So the older I get, I, I'm wondering if, because 
you have to be confident and enjoy what you do. And I, I enjoy the drinks I make. Mm. Um, I think I would enjoy sitting in front of myself, having a drink and having some food. So is it necessarily a bad thing to think about my future and, and think about that? Uh, but it's, it's very foreign to me yeah uh, i've never done that so it's it's hard this is not a chris to, plug. right it's very hard <laughs> to to you know think about that or like use a term like brand or something like right. that um i know i you know and but i know what you're saying how, it's a good question i have to think i've i've got kid, that kids and quotes because mm-hmm. they're the brands right and each of the brands have their own identity traction personalities and all that and i i think like and it's just the i as your career in Austin kind of keeps going. Mm-hmm. I think that you're not going to be under the radar. I think people will start really to take notice, which is probably an un- unintended consequence or just something that happens, right? Because it doesn't seem like you're fighting to be the guy, mm-hmm. you're not fighting to be on the the news in the morning or something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's uh, and yeah, exactly. I, I and sort of my philosophy and a lot of stuff is you know like keep it simple and yeah. you know and within that area you can be you know very human about everything and if people enjoy uh what i'm doing that's great and also like i said i mean i just have like so much to learn you know so Always, it's such an right? incredible vast amount to learn um but yeah it is it is something that i'm i think about uh just like the reason our move from new york to here mm-hmm. you know was the idea of like how long are we going to keep doing this and let's try something different. Yeah. So this point here is, I guess, for me to kind of figure that out. Like, you know, I am 40 now. Like, uh, do I want to have my own place? Do, right. or, or what, do I, what do I want to do? And the thing is, I, if I do start to go more that route, mm. I'm not going to feel bad like a used car salesman because I'm not, not, I'm not, selling, I'm not selling junk. Yeah, exactly. I'm not like yeah. pouring myself out. Like, I, I think people would have a good time. Like, at the places where I'm at or what so so how did you this this piece like this most recent chapter with Juniper how did that come about and did it feel like exactly the right move for you career-wise yeah it was um I I definitely think so um you know like I said it was at uh Jeffrey's you know doing the you know captaining thing over there and uh Juniper the first basically the de facto GM uh was a guy uh Nick Basquecue who Worked in the same company uh, my girlfriend worked for. She oh, was really? actually like the GM and then the manager at this restaurant across the street when yeah. he was there for a little bit. So they kind of knew each other. Oh, amazing. Uh, so, the GM know. girlfriend? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Is she and, in Austin now or still in New York? She is in Austin. She's in the middle of opening a restaurant right now. Shit. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So you guys reconvened. Right. And there was some, again, some serendipity. Again. Yeah. Yep. So uh, they originally had... Um, a bartender uh, who was getting the bar set and he was supposed to be, you know, the bar manager there. Um, but uh, ended up going to the Roosevelt room. Uh, he had to open that place. So <laughs> wait a minute. Oh uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so yeah, so, yeah, I know this story. All yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so and he had to bow out and it was a little bit, uh, and the place wasn't open yet, Yeah, uh, but it was towards the, the final stages. And I guess uh, Nick was like, Oh, let me get in touch with Chris. And uh, so I met with the, with the guys. They asked about, what my philosophy of drinks were and mm-hmm. i was a, basically saying simple delicious drinks i feel like this renaissance is, it really is so short whether it's 10 15 years that it's been going on sure and there's so much that was just kind of passed over very quickly because yeah. people wanted to show what they can do what ingredients they can do 
So I just sort of talked about simplicity. They seemed to dig that. That was their idea of yeah. food. And uh, got offered the job and been there been there since. Amazing. And, uh, How long now about? Uh, gosh, it's coming up on a year Killer. now. Yeah, and I, f- I felt really bad because Greg Ryan, my uh, GM over at Jeffrey's, uh-huh. you know, he's he's awesome guy, awesome guy. And uh, I sent him an email. <laughs> I was like, hey, do you have a few moments to talk? And he's like, he responds back. He's like, well, since you sent a Juniper uh, email address, I'm pretty sure I know what this is about. I'm like, fuck. Oh, shit. God. Oh, I hate technology. sleuth. Yeah. You know? Like, Sorry, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I've been there, and it's it's been really good, you know, opening a place yeah. and learning everything. And I definitely wouldn't, you know, take it back. I feel like I've opened six restaurants in the past year in that one place. But it's been really good to learn. Yeah. What – so – I'm going to go and I'm going to go soon. What would be the, what's like the staple meal? What is the paramount taste that I'd get at Juniper? Like, give me a cocktail, give me a dish. Mm-hmm. For you, anyway. Not You don't have to project on me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I completely understand. Um, I would probably, you know, I guess sort of that New York cocktail style tends to be, you know, uh, a little bit uh, on the boozier sure. spectrum. Uh, Count me in, but yeah. you know, but simplistic uh, at the same time. Uh, so when we open, obviously juniper is in the name. Mm. Um, so I decided just to make like a very simple uh, cocktail with Bar Hill gin. Since, mm-hmm. uh, Out of uh, Vermont or Connecticut? Vermont, Vermont, yeah. Right, yeah. So uh, he's a guy who's been a beekeeper for like over fifty years. Yeah, and yeah. He makes like a very mild, like old Tom style, but the only uh, aromatic is juniper yeah. in there. So uh, you know, a couple ounces of that, uh, the ubiquitous Cookie Americano, oh, yes. uh, Amaro Maletti. That was one of the oh, you know, first you know, Amaros I had when I went to Morning Margo with my buddies. And uh, my buddy Tobin Ludwig, who I bartended with, uh, he's one of the owners of Hella Bitters. Uh-huh. So uh, he used his He was in bitters. town just for a bar institute. Just hanging out. Yeah, yeah with killer. him. Yeah, just the, uh, just the other week. Yeah, I guess it was about a month ago or something okay. like that. Yeah. So use a good bit of that in there and just very simple, you know, stirred. Um, I would just do something like that. And again, talking about simplicity, there's this really, it sounds rid- ridiculously simple, but there's something called puffy potatoes that okay. has been on the menu from uh, the beginning. And they're basically just like the most airy, most delicious tater tots you've ever had, <laughs> you know, kind of like that. Yeah. So that's you know, it. That's always going to work. Yeah. It's tough, no matter what. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, they're really delicious. So to just like sit there and start out with a cocktail and sit outside or something like that. If it's not a hundred degrees yeah, yeah. and just start with that, let everything melt away a little bit and then decide what you want for dinner. That's, oh, sort of that's like perfect. my favorite stage. Yeah. The perfect amuse bouche. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, I'm already, I, I think because Lizzie is cooking dinner downstairs. I'm getting these like just subconscious notes of tater tots. <laughs> oh fuck, tater tots! <laughs> Those are like that's food porn for a yeah, lot of people, yeah, man. Yeah, me, too, me included. <laughs> well, so we're sipping some bourbon, and we're gonna conclude here. But how do you feel about this Michter's 20 year 57.1 ABV single barrel? It's fucking good. Yeah, this is. This is delicious. This is the kind of like weighty bourbon. You know, and it, what I like about this is that it has. I mean, yeah, it's hot. You know, it's yeah. got that that heat. But 
just like many things, it's still balanced. Like it has that sweetness. It has all yeah. that caramel. It has all that. But it wood too, man. Wood and yeah. it, and it weighs on the palate in a in a good way. That's what you want in something like that. Yeah. And what I like about you know any spirits or food or whatnot, yes, balance is paramount, but it has to have personality. Mm-hmm. You know? and this definitely does. It you know, like I said, it it's the warming whiskey. It's like, I I just love I love thinking of you you movie fan at all? Yeah. I, I love to think about what Lee Marvin would have smelled like. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And that's, this is kind of, this is what I think of spending an afternoon in LA with Lee Marvin would be like. Right? Smell it again? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, right. Just kind of smoky, <laughs> kind of dark, kind of leathery, yep. kind of bitter. Yep. But yet still like you can't get enough and you're going to keep diving in. Yeah, whether it's questioned or like it, you know, go to some sweet shitty dive bar in L.A. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> By the way, L.A. does have the best dive bars. Does it? I got some really good ones. One of my favorite places, the Drawing Room. Okay. If I ever get there? Uh, it's in Los Feliz, and across the street is this place called Ye Rustic Inn. Okay. Awesome. What part? Wait, what, uh, what part of L.A.? Los Feliz. Okay, Los Feliz. Yeah, okay. and uh, but the Drawing Room is incredibly awesome. Yeah, like shitty. <laughs> I love it. I think about classic Hollywood, man. Yeah, that's all I can think about is dive bars in LA. So many just broken dreams. It's great. I love yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the, the last thing, because we talk about broken dreams, but do you want to open your own place? Is that even on the radar for you? It seems like you've got a lot of work you still want to do, a lot of learning you still want to do. Um, I, I mean, I guess, I guess if you care about what you do and at some point, you want to. Yeah. I, I would think anybody who has any sort of ambition, yeah, would. Yeah. Um, I, I know that everybody in the world thinks that they can do a better job than their predecessor, Always, and it's not yeah. It's not that at all. Uh, I think it's more of that you want a place that is everything that the place says is what you say, yeah. um, and that shows a little bit of who you are. Um, in, a, in a weird way, I wish I could go and, like, you know, work in uh, Europe for a little bit, if, but I just think that's kind of almost impossible at this moment. Well, you never know, though. You never it's know. An interesting, just serpentine kind of voyage. Yeah. I couldn't even guess so, all the different things. So perhaps, yeah. So maybe, right? Yeah, but I, I guess I guess the answer would have to be, you know, yes, Something. eventually. Um, I definitely would have, I, I guess I already know, like, two pieces of art I would have up already. So I guess that, I guess that means I've already been thinking about it. I You've already planned the aesthetic. You're yeah. starting. Yeah, yeah. You're starting. One is the a ideation phase. Yeah. 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 What, what? Yeah. One is a, uh, a, well, I guess, I mean, he might have his underwear on. I'm not sure. But, uh, Sean Connery is James Bond days where, where he's, he's like on, like on a bed, like on his stomach, like staring at you with his legs propped up behind him. Wow. Pretty cute. And another one. Yeah, did he, he had hair then. Yeah, it yeah. was like total like James Bond like Drop, yeah like when knockout he was badass yeah he was uh, always he, he was always a badass yeah. and uh, another one is an old photo of uh, I guess it would have been uh, Alex and Eddie Van Halen with uh, David Lee Roth right in the middle of the back of a limousine after a show oh like, shit pretty fucking rad so we got two pieces of art it. I think I'm already starting to build the 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 machismo story. No. <laughs> 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 so yeah we uh we shall see we shall see it's brilliant man well it's been 
just a really amazing getting to, to chat with you and talk about all this stuff, the booze, the wine, your dad, drumming, Sound City. Um, amazing story, man. Well, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's dude, been really great. It's been killer, yeah. Chris. Thanks so much for chatting. Awesome. Appreciate Thank it. you. Sipping on some bourbon, talking about drumming, talking about bands. Man, what better way to spend an evening and this time with the bar manager at Juniper in Austin, Texas, Chris McClish. I love his sense of work ethic. I love that he's not out there to get a cheap win. He's working hard and he's willing to do whatever it takes to establish himself as one of the premier minds and premier creative entities in the hospitality industry, but at no cost to his integrity or his self-respect which is kind of a surprise since he spent so much time in L.A. Ha, ha. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V. It's been a pleasure bringing these conversations to you, and no matter which mezcal you are thinking about drinking and knowing that there's a new tequila Ocho 50-plus percent ABV, slightly aged, coming to Texas as of this week. Thank you, Bobby Hugel, for selecting that. Or if you're thinking, man, what Fugazi record do I want to listen to next? For me, it's probably in on the kill taker. But no matter what you choose, please keep dancing.